Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to listen to Beers, Business, and Balls and thousands of other podcasts. This is episode 56, Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo. And, Will, you're just fresh off uh, one of the worst sporting events to be if you're a New York fan. Um, Yankees lose four, or they lose 5-4 after being up 4-0 the whole game and taking a no-hitter into the eighth. Um safe to say we're frustrated very 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 frustrated i don't know aaron boone can kick rocks the yankees (laughs) franchise can kick i'm just i'm exhausted i'm tired i'm cranky and it's all because of the new york yankees (laughs) going into fenway no hitting the red Sox for eight innings with domingo on domingo and then having just boone below that game i mean I don't even want to get into it. Luisica, like, yeah, he hasn't played in a couple weeks. Like, he just pitched yesterday. You let up a hit. You let up two hits. Fine. You pull him. You have other people in the bullpen. You have Britton. You have Britton's a ground ball guy. You just let him hit the let let him throw yeah. it, hit the ground balls, and then you're good. But no, you let it go all the way up. That the Yankees have now tied they the Red Sox tied the game four four, and then the go ahead run just takes place and then our stagnant Yankee offense with Ryan LaMare and Greg Allen mm. are your saving grace. Yeah, come on. That was just pitiful. And then on top of it, the universe pays you back by making your phone die and you have to walk back from the train station so you like can't even call me to grab you. It was just... <laughs> I don't know why. Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the Yankees. I know. Uh, the Inevitable Yankees podcast is coming. We just don't know what we're going to talk about. Like, we don't even have the right words for the Yankees right now. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. I'm going to give them till the trade deadline this week. And the trade deadline's coming up, too. We can talk about that in Rapid Fire Sports. But um, cool interview that we'll hop basically right into with the founders of Oppenog Brewing Company down in Warwick. Uh, we've talked about them on the show. We've rated their beer before. Uh, we've been in contact with them for a couple of weeks now trying to get on site and finally we were able to do our first on-site interview definitely keep in mind that we had some audio issues at the beginning um just some pains with our first on-site interview in a, a bit nothing we couldn't figure out uh, the audio significantly clears up in the you know probably like five ten minutes in uh so bear with us uh it's growing pains from being on a live site a live on-site interview so let's dive right into it here is tamara and mike from appenog brewing company live in warwick all right everybody with us this week we have well, we're, first off, we're live. We haven't been live in a few months thanks to COVID, but Amara McKenney, Mike Webster, Appenog Brewery down Warwick, Rhode Island. First and foremost, we appreciate you having us and welcome to the show. Thank you. We love being here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So, I mean, first and foremost, we love the brewery. We're big fans of the brewery, big fans of the restaurant. We'd love to know what is Appenog Brewery, who is Mike Webster, and who is Tamara McKenney. All right. Beer, drinking beer, and hospitality just felt like a really 
wide vision for advertising. Uh, I refer to this as my tripod. It is food, beer, and community. And wanted it to be an experience for people right here. I wanted to be part of that, what they did, when they did it. I want them to be um, drinking it at home. That has changed a little bit. Mike, let's, let's go to you. How did you get here? What's your Avanog story, and, and who are you? Uh, so, yeah, I've been with you guys before. Mike Webster. Um, been at Avanog almost a year. I've been in brewing since 2014, so going on eight years. Fifth as a brewer. Uh, I came across Avanog just looking through some opportunities in the industry. Um, came down, visited a spot with Pam, Chris, uh, and Tam's husband, Jim. I was really impressed about the space and basically the intention of having a community of being a really foremost uh, priority with, with, with the business and with for the beer, because that's a big thing for me is I've always believed as, as a brewer, providing a product for people to share with and enjoy with people they really want to surround themselves with. Um, so as we got to know each other one more throughout that interview, um, it became really prevalent to me that our intentions were aligned with how we wanted to project the beer that we'll be putting out in front of you. We'll dive in. Uh, Tamara, you mentioned plenty of different things. You mentioned the tripod. You mentioned the empty, empty nester mentality. I want to start there, right? Your decision to open Appenog, um, you know, day one. Take us through what was going through your mind. You know, you mentioned uh, in the days leading up to this interview that, you know, you just wanted a little bit more culture, right? And how did Appenog start from that, that mentality? You know, what I always have to tell people is I was a business person who loved beer who opened a brewery. Very different than many other people's journey who were brewers who opened a brewery. So it had to work on paper, definitely worked on paper. But I love the brewing culture. I love going to different breweries, talking to people, or group hubs, or, you know, it, um, it is a culture that I find um, where barriers get broken down, political barriers. Uh, in our polarized culture disappear where people will go to the mattress and it's about a logger and IPA and not about politics, not about that. So for me, the culture around here is one that I just love. And if you're, if you're then in that culture, I think people, it will resonate with people. They never resonate with people. Um, and I wanted to do one more thing. I, my husband and I had owned a few companies and I really wanted to do one more thing that was very fun. Brewing, the beer culture is a little bit irreverent, it's different than having a restaurant. Uh, so I wanted to do hospitality, but brewing helped me feel there's room for being a little more irreverent. Um, that was really my attraction to opening a new Now, in terms of the craft beer scene, what was your first initial introduction to it? Was there a specific brewery, a specific beer that you had that you were like, okay, you know, I'm I, I like craft beer, and what was that took you to the next edge of like I really want to be a part of it. Remember, um, oh man, I've had so many beers. Yeah. Really yeah. oh, well, it's hard for me to pinpoint, but here's a very funny story, and it is um, that it will go back to where 
Those Which one? Little smart one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Jim and I were in the tap room. My husband and I, we had gone out. It was like a day trip or maybe overnight. And we were at uh, a couple out at the bar. And we just started talking to them. And this guy, they were like on a four-day trip. And they were talking about different beers. And we were talking about this. We were talking about what we liked. He was like, well, come out. Yeah. It's like opening up his bar. And it was handiness year after year after year. That was like what they did. They just packed their car full of beer and then they drove around and met people and then the beer that they loved. What's this guy's name? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to be old. He looked, he looked sad that he wanted to give us a beer. Like, I, you know, but for me, you don't ever find that in any other culture. You don't find that willingness of people to. I, for I've never found it in any other restaurant culture. You certainly don't find it in high tech. And you're never going to talk to a competitor and say, oh, hey, man, can you help me out? I've got trouble with this code. No. Whereas in current culture, people will help you out all the time. They'll talk to you all the time. They share things, whether it be a beer or a drink with you. And so for me, that's the culture around beer that I really like. We don't take, some people are serious. And it's not like we're not serious about how we make Now, do you remember that interaction? When we, when, when you guys first met? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vividly. I mean, it was really hot that day. Uh, we sat outside. Um, we went inside because it was so warm, and, and, you know, the interview was going well. You know, you're having an interview, and it's like it goes a, a little bit longer, and, you know, go hour one goes to hour two, and you're like, all right, I think this is going somewhere. Um, so that's where we were, and, yeah, we just got to know, you know, one another more, um, and, you know, Conversations went from professional to kind of like personal, like learning more about each other, and just got a good good vibe for how we would work together. Yeah, and, and Mike, we'll transition to your background now. You've been at two places that are, you know, they make some of the best IPAs in the nation, let alone you know New England, uh, Treehouse and Fox Farm. Um, you can get both around here. I love Fox Farm beer. Will and I are, are huge fans. Um, here, though, you created this beer program essentially from the from the ground up. What were some of the things that you took away from those experiences that led you to, uh, to, to the success that you're having here? Uh, I think the two biggest things that I would say were takeaways from, from both places really are um, creating a, a product that people can gather around, um, that people want to share with others and go to a place to have. Um, and then the other is really just kind of creating um, beer that is not only flavor forward, um, but soft and approachable. That it's not gonna, you know, knock someone back where like it's going to. You might not be able to have another one. I always want someone to be able to feel like, all right, I can have another one, or I want another one. Maybe I shouldn't, but I'm gonna come back for it. Right, and you know the the whole stigma of root pubs don't make good beer, right? That's the. It, it's been clearly as, as I mean the alchemist. Kind of the alchemist was a brew pub, right? Um, and Hetty Topper lit the world on fire before anybody. Yeah, so, so that's you know. What I think was... John Kimmich would be would argue that yeah. pretty quickly, <laughs> right? So, so with, uh, Vinny from Russian River. Exactly. Uh, there's Alpine. I mean, there's a. I could go on and on and on. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that is a real stigma. Right. Right. But you know, what did you guys do to try to you know was that the real thing when you guys started this? You know, understanding where you might be perceived in the market, and you know, if so. You know, what was kind of the, the action for you guys of trying to break everybody's stigma of like, you know, oh, it's a group of, they serve food, they don't really make good beer. What were your thoughts there? Um, 
I didn't really give a shit. Um, yeah. It was really mostly, you have to be confident what you're making and believe in it. Um, I believe in the beer that we're putting out uh, profoundly. So we're going to keep on doing the best work that we can. I mean, I, I put a lot into, these, into this beer. Uh, our assistant brewer, Rob, puts a lot into this beer. Um, Tam, Chris, Jim, Jamie, our barman, one of our bar managers, put, give us a lot of support. So we all, you know, it's a full-fledged effort for this. So it's um, really, that's the biggest thing is, you know, you, all you can do is put the best work ever. Absolutely. And I mean, the beer is incredible. Oh, it is. We're yes. having some beer right now. <laughs> um, so first off, I mean, let's see. Well, I think we should cheers oh, while yeah. we're here. So first off, thank you for having us. Cheers, and guys. second off, what are we drinking and what's on tap at Okanagan at the moment? So yeah, Thousand Ways is an iteration off of a pop we used with our first Far Be It series. Uh, Far Be It is a experimental series that we do. So the first one we did use a hop called Waiiti. Um, it's a really soft uh, New Zealand-based hop. Um, so I, when we made that, I found that I really liked the bitterness and the mouthful that I provided. So we use that as basically the base of Thousand Ways while using some of the more bold, um, higher alpha uh, flavor, uh, fruit flavored forward uh, hops uh, to complement. So you guys, you know, Mike, your, your program that you run over here is, you've described it, you know, um, you've described it in the way that you did, building it from the ground up, understanding what you needed to do, you know, was there anything like, you know, we've got to make a really good IPA, we've got to make a really good lager to start, you know, what, um, like, the origins of your beer program and how it's evolved, you know, what, where are you trying to fit in terms of, you know, style and that kind of stuff? Uh, I think what we're trying to be, at least what we're, I'm, I'm trying to, I guess, have us be it with camp support, is making a really respectable program around, again, drinkability. Uh, the biggest thing for me is lager. I love lager. I mean, lagers have been being consumed for 500, 600 years. Um, I've been to Czech Republic. You know, I've gone all over to try these different kinds of beers. You have to make IPA just because it's, it's taken over the world, and people love them. I love them. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful style that's fun to make because it's new. You can make these iter different iterations of it. You can be, you know, you can kind of go off the wall with it, or you can just stick right to what you know, or somewhere in the middle, and see what you get. If IPAs, if you guys didn't play in the IPA space, do you think you'd be as successful as you were? And that goes for anyone. Do you think any brew pub would be successful without an IPA offering? Yeah, I do. I mean, um, I wouldn't say they're not a, I, I wouldn't be able to say for certain if they're a brew pub or not, but, you know, Notch. They do session beer, um, and a lot of it is lager, and it's one of my favorite breweries on earth. Um, I think if you have a good business model and you have a good brewer who's believing what they're doing, you're going to be successful. I mean, you can't you can't go you can't be too frivolous and careless. You have to be smart. Um, Tam kind of reels me in of things that I want to go for, and she's like, "Well, let's let's, let's settle down. Let's, we'll get, we're going to get there." Uh, just one thing at a time, uh, which is good, because I want to do everything all at once. Uh, but yeah, I think you certainly can be successful without having to do IPAs, but um, if people just want to do IPAs, I mean, I've always believed people just, people should just have what they like. If you, if you like IPAs, have IPAs. I mean, it's encouraged to always have more different things, but um, I would definitely wouldn't say that you have to be confined to a box as a brewer or as a consumer. So, circling back up, we just got a new set of beers with us uh, at the moment. What are we drinking right now? Uh, so, we have Farbiat number three, uh, an IPA, 
uh, basically using a different kind of water chemistry that we've done in the past. Um, you have Lake Runner, uh, West Coast Pale Ale. I'm drinking Holm, our Municalis. Tim drinking Thousand Ways, one of our rotational IPAs. Now, I guess you might be a little bit biased because you're the brewer and you're the owner. What are your favorites? Like anytime you come in, you're like, whether it's a long day or you're celebrating something, you're like, I want a pint of blank. Thousand Ways, Thousand my ways. favorite IPA. So I'm an IPA fangirl, um, no matter what. Like that would be my go-to thing whenever I go anywhere. If I want to drink multiple beers, I may go. Um, we have a, we have some nice light lagers that I that I like, but that would be my that would be my go-to thing. But that's my favorite of our IPAs. Is Thousand Ways. I like the combination of the hop profile um, and the mouthfeel is really wonderful and. Sometimes when you drink an IPA after one or two, like you, you've lost your taste buds and you don't do that with our beer. Like we work really hard. We, I like the collective we, we work really hard, really. Mike works really hard to make sure the beer is very approachable. And that is, uh, you know, a big part of who we are as Appenog is making sure we're approachable in everything we do. We work hard to have a balanced beer board. Um, the food is approachable. We have food for all different um, appetites or what people like or that kind of thing. We try to make the space approachable for people. So it's really welcoming as many people as we can. Uh, for me, uh, beer is really subjective. It really kind of it can change day to day, hour by hour, kind of really like in the moment. Um, some days I just want a nice crisp Pilsner. Some days I really want like a juicy, full-bodied Imperial IPA. Um, it could really range, or you know, there's nothing like on like a really, really hot day having like a beautiful farmhouse that is on. Uh, you know, it's, for me, beer is really rooted in memory. So a lot of times when I think of a beer, I, I think of like, oh, I'm remembering this time when, and I was like, that was so good at this other point. Perfect. And going back to, you know, the three pillars of Appenog, which you call the tripod, food, community, and beer. Describe those importances to you. Like when you were coming up with Appenog as a whole, and you were coming up with, you know, obviously as a brewery, you want the beer to be great, but the community and the food to follow up with that as well. What made you, what were the things that kind of tied you with? Like we need to see, we need to perfect these three in order right. to be successful. So clearly great beer. Beer has to be great. It has to stand on its own. And each of the three have to stand on its own. But um, my children would refer to it as the need to feed. Um, uh, to, to me, um, being in a relationship with people is about breaking bread. And it is, when people go out, breaking bread. It is about going out and not just enjoying beer, but sharing food. That's how um, relationships are built. That's how barriers are broken down. That's how community is built. It's over food. It's across every culture. It's across everything. So food, to me, is really important. So that... And, and I, we work really hard with our chef to make sure the food is approachable, that we have vegetarian options, vegan options, gluten-free options, you know, kid-friendly. We don't have a kid menu, but it, but everybody can find something on their menu that they like. Um, and then the community part, I, you know, on our website, we talk about Appenog as the third place. So in, in the world, they talk about that there are three places. There's home, there's work. 
And then that third place, what is that third place? It's the coffee shop. It is what used to be a public house. It's where people talked about politics before we had the internet. Um, so for me, that was really important in creating Appenog was to create a community that all people were welcome. It wasn't, people talk about, well, what demographic were you looking for? And it was like, I don't know, if they're breathing, I want them here. Um, we have people that bring a newborn baby here. We have two 90-year-olds coming. We just got a request for an 85th birthday party. I think that's great. Like, you want, you know, the guy who's having his 85th birthday party wanted to come here. So for me, that community is the community um, that we build around beer and food. So. And on top of the food, who came up with the sweet potato, the sweet potato tot routine? Ah, I have to give that beer. completely to my chef, man. And I have to say, that's not one of my favorites. I am not, really? but people are wow. addicted to it. People are addicted to that combination of it that. It's awesome, and it's yeah. unlike anything that right. we've had at, right. a, at a place that we're getting craft beer, which is what right. makes that so interesting. Right, right. No, so the people love those sweet potato tots because it's like if a fry, sweet potato fry is pretty good, the tots, like, you know, exponentially sweet potato-like, and yeah. then you put a poutine on it, and people are like, they're addicted to it. We well, get I think it really aligns to what you're talking about, community and whatnot, right. because it's, you know, a comfort food, right? right. When you go to a place like Thirsty Beaver at Cranston or Smithfield, yep. or you go to, you know, a place where you get, like, a grilled chicken sandwich or a burger, I'm thinking, like, Chomp and right. Providence. Right. You know, people remember that, you know, maybe it's not the healthiest thing in the world, but they remember how it made them feel. Right, and they want that, and they're great. I, I love both of those places you've really hit upon. Like, if I think about the places I like to go eat, and it is about comfort. Doesn't Comfort doesn't have to be unhealthy. Right. Uh, maybe the poutine that's, tops yeah, are not healthy. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that they're healthy, but well, it's about comfort food. It's right, about food that feels approachable right, to people. Right. I, can, I, I can find something I like, and that, to me... It's really important, and our chef is really great about that. He he's, runs a very collaborative kitchen. All of our items that come out are the work of the four or five people that work really hard in the back, and they work together to come up with. Let's build on that point, too. There must be a time, because you guys have been here for a while now, at least a few years each. You know, there's There must have been a time where you're walking around, maybe it's with a customer, maybe it's with someone on your staff, and you said, all right, this whole tripod thing really works, right? It's affecting somebody's life. Um, tell us a story, maybe something that comes to mind of when you really realize that food community beer tripod in action. Is there anything that, that jumps off the page and was like, yes, this is really working with people like this? Wow. I don't know, man. <laughs> maybe that's unfair for years of memories, right? Uh, I don't, I, here's what I would say. Like, you know, even just last week, because it's not, it's not going to knock you out, but we, uh, you know, there was a, a guy that just sent us his resume, and he's looking to change his career. He loves craft beer, but he had come here with his wife for his anniversary, and he said, I sat out, you know, he wrote me this very long note about why he wanted to come work at Epinog, but he said, I sat out on the patio, and, you know, everything about it just talked to me. The, the vibe, the food, the beer, the, the, you know, he didn't say community, but the, the patio. And I, I just realized for a job, I want to be part, I want to be part of that. I want, so to me, that really resonates with somebody that what we're building, what Mike is here to, in building in the brew program and training staff. And he does a really phenomenal job. You know, we train staff every 
month on, on the beer profiles or that, and people are, are expanding their, their ability to talk about beer or, or that. Um, you know, we're building something internally that then translates externally. So to me, that, that's like, yep, we hit that home run. Not a home run, but we're hitting, hitting a niche. You know, that we got Mike here, that I got Mike here, like that, to, to me, so that might be the other thing was the fact that what Chris and I have started to build here, and I've got to give Jim credit, he's my husband who does all the back office, um, um, that we had created something that Mike wanted to come in and, and work on that beer program because he has phenomenal credentials. People are always like, how'd you get him here? I go, I don't know. Maybe you liked what we were building, but we really jived, and what we and we have a common vision for what we can build Appenog into, and that's really exciting for whatever we've done the last three years. The next three feel like they'll be really fun. So, how did we get Mike here? How did we get Mike here? <laughs> I think what kind of Tam touched upon with like her, with her, Chris, and, and Jen, and uh, you know, again, give give Jamie some love too. Yep. Uh, she, she does a great job here. Uh, one of her managers, and she. We were a lot of love. Uh, Giving Jamie a lot of love. It was it was the foundation. I mean, like it's like that that saying, you know, any good place to build up a solid foundation. I just saw that here there was just a great opportunity to kind of uh, build uh, my own program um, or our own program, really. It's your program. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's opposite. It's okay. Um, and that's that's a weird thing. I, you know, it's you. There's a lot of there's a. Oh, oh, I could rattle off 100 names of more than 100 names of great breweries, um, but they all had to start from the ground up at some point, um, and I worked at two of the best, in, I think, in the world, um, and this is basically just an opportunity for me to kind of say, like, hey, can I do this? Um, I knew I knew how to brew, um, I knew, so I knew, you know, if, if I fell on my face here, I could always go back, hopefully somewhere else, and get a job. Um, but this was what? Uh, my my shot to take, um, and thanks for the support of my wife. I had uh, all the comments to do it. Beautiful. Now we touched upon the beer, we touched upon the food, we touched upon the community. I think one aspect we are missing is the location. So, what is the significance behind the location? The history, the location, the surroundings. What makes Appenog so great? On top of this location as well. Okay, buddy, so, you should see the before pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Chris I mean, and I, we looked for a year. We still live in a loft. So right. We live in a loft now, right. so we understand yeah. the before. Yeah. Did you see what the place was before? No. Uh, we all have to mail you before pictures. So when I looked at the building here, it had no roof, <laughs> no, no wait, second no roof. roof. No window. So no, no roof. Just, it was, there were trees it. growing out of so it. It was man. a brick. Building. It was a brick shell. Wow. Brick shell. The whole patio was filled with Japanese, Japanese knotwood. Here's the thing. I mean, and I went around, home. Right. I, I went home and said I to my husband, I, I had looked for a full year for a building, and I went home and said to Jim, I found our building. And he came in. I'm like, you have to leave work. You have to come. <laughs> like, literally came in. And he walked around. And he, he, he couldn't even talk. And he finally he said to me, I lack your vision. <laughs> that just summed it up. And I was like, no, no, can't you imagine this big, big, you know, beer garden? And he's like, no, not at all. No. Wow. Um, 
but I love Old Mills, and um, for anyone from Warwick knows that we are actually located in Pontiac, not Appenog, so that causes a lot of confusion, sure but um, the name Appenog came from my grandfather and great-grandfather owned um, a mill in Appenog, the Sawtooth Mill in the middle of one of the rotaries um, that was um, a textile mill, so that was part of my growing up. My dad worked there. My mom, clearly born into that family. Um, so that was part of my history. So when we, I had the, and the mill here had been a textile mill. So when we, I found that, I was like, nope. And everybody was like, you are crazy um, to put. And we'll show you pictures. It was just um, a shell. It looked like a bombshell. We'll bomb be waiting head. for them and we'll post them with You our... should. You have to. We have actually a, zone, a drone picture with the full wow. um, convertible as we like to refer to it, yeah. it was a convertible. <laughs> and now, you know, and people love are drawn to the building. And the building has phenomenal energy. It was opened in 1865. And the history of all the people that came here before, I think, are part of the building. I think that it, the building just has good energy. So growth stage two, you know, knock down the roof, you know, put one of those retractable roofs in yeah. so it's a true convertible or a baseball stadium or something yeah. like no, that. No, we're just going to keep moving out that way <laughs> and moving out that way. We're, we're so just you take gonna... over the whole parking lot. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah. that. <laughs> um, when we talk about, you know, your growth and, you know, Papanog quite literally just growing over the years, yeah. you know, we've got a, another beer garden outside now. Right. Um, more of a casual environment than the, you know, the inside. Um, talk to us about, you know, what a someone that what a guest would see when they walk in. You know, how you want them to feel at the different stages. You know, if they're going outside, if they're going inside. You know, what, what's going on out in that beer garden um, versus the environment inside here? Um, you know, the the lodge, as we like to call it, is our new beer garden, and we really modeled that after. Um, uh, um, a much more, as you said, a much more casual beer garden. It's walk-up service. Um, we don't have food out there yet. We'll probably put food trucks out there. And the idea would be for people who just want to come by and grab a beer or two. Um, whereas we have full service in the rest of the, the area. You know, our growth right now is really related. People, uh, we get a lot of requests for people wanting to have an event here, birthday parties, Jack and Jill showers, whatever. Um, we haven't figured out rain coverage, which is our big issue. So we can't. We live in Seattle now. Yeah, according to we do. Owners, we so. do. Um, and it's a big issue for us. So we're mm -hmm. we're really working hard right now for growth, um, for the tap room, and events to provide rain coverage so that we can book more events. But I know that Mike has his eye on that area for a logger farm. <laughs> Um, it's so. the stream of a logger farm. <laughs> you know, just multiple, anywhere between four. You have to that glow in your 16, eyes now. <laughs> uh, logger tanks. Um, it's really just kind of whatever the next step can be to uh, increase our program for uh, loggers. Really, I mean, I've, what's, we make logger in a traditional way, where we logger it for anywhere between five to eight weeks so they get the time it needs to kind of settle out and become what it needs to be. Um, a great example is our coach that we have on right now. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was I was pretty stressed about it. Um, and then I tasted it on Monday. I'm like, it's good. It's good. Let's go. Boom. Um, and it's happened with a couple other beers where you just got to give it the time and you have to have the tanks space to do that. Uh, so 
that would be the dream of having a blogger thing where we can just basically, you know, brew them, transfer them over, let them logger, and then put other beers inside those things to have a quick turnaround time. Uh, so, yeah. Now, on top of the growth, I mean, Appenog is becoming, or is already one of the top breweries in Rhode Island, and we're not just saying that. You know, we we did our yeah, we're not blowing smoke. We did our research. We're going. You guys have over fourteen thousand untapped check-ins. You're being distributed in different areas, and you always have uh, a hefty weight here as well. With you know, just people excited to come here for the beer, the food, the community. You know, what's that secret? What is that secret sauce that just not not only the tripod aside, but what is that? What makes people come here and be like, I'm going to come here again tomorrow and weeks on and years on? I think Mike had really touched upon it earlier. We have a phenomenal team. From the get-go, we have invested a ton in training and continue to do that. Every person who is out there on the floor can talk, and I can guarantee you because they're out on the floor way more than I am, they can talk way more about any of those beers than I do. Um, we hire people. We don't hire people who have service experience we hire people who love beer um and then we can we can teach them how to pour a beer we can teach them how to take an take an order we can't teach them passion so every person that you meet and you have met passionate people because you ate dessert here um, um and that to me is what is our secret is that we have this phenomenal team we have we have a great head chef, and he has built a really good team in the back. We, Jamie is our new, she just got promoted to a general manager. Mm -hmm. She has, uh, you know, a passion for beer, passion for the industry, and that translates to building a really good team. So, uh, you know, Mike is brewing beer. He can't talk to every person out there. I'm running a company. I can't talk to every people, person out there. But if you hire good people, treat them well, and they're passionate for our for what we believe in, so that to me is really, it's like, it sounds trite, but it is our people. You know, I don't... But even to dive in more, you know, so you, you just mentioned a really good point. We don't hire people necessarily with service experience. We right. hire them because they love people. Right? right. Is it almost taking a bet on them that you guys, for, for what you've been able to build, can turn them into, you know, the, the hospitable person? You know, how much of that is... You know, they, you know, we can train them into where we want them to be versus, you know, all right, we're looking for X, Y, Z soft skills. To come in. Um, it's not that you just have to love beer. I, you have to have a passion. Yes. I can't, I can't, I can't teach you how to give a shit. You either give a shit or you don't. That's so it, it's point, really, yeah. do you care? Do you care that when you're looking up and down a tap room that some guy has his arms akimbo and is looking miserable? Might not be your table, but that's your table. Because every table is your table. You know, we pull tips. We build a team. We, and everybody does care. So we hire for two things. Passion about beer, but passion about hospitality. And, what, what, and hospitality means different things to different people. It's like we just want people, when they walk in the door, to feel like we want them here. We're not perfect by any means. You know, we fuck up a lot. But it's like we want, we want you to know we want you here. We want to share beer with you, much like yep. we're talking here. And that, you know, that's that passion. I think one thing that I noticed with Dr. Mike early off when I started, and still right now, is very similar to where I, where I came before, is you, know, you can invest in equipment, you can invest in resources, but the biggest investment you can make is in people. Um, some of the best people I know are from um, people that I've worked with in this industry and people that I've met in this industry. And all of those people say the same thing about where they've worked and where they've been. So we're in the 
very interesting time right now. You know, it's all... What's going on? <laughs> we can talk about all this good yeah, and fun right? stuff. Yeah, we have to have a separate podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But, you know, I want to talk about COVID and the pandemic, you know, wreaking havoc on hospitality because it was all good and fun. You guys were killing it. And then this very real thing settled in where, oh my God, you know, how many percent of brewers didn't know if they were going to be able to pay the bills on time and keep their doors open, right? So let's get both your perspectives, you know, how did you survive? You know, what was the, what was the principles for getting you through that, you know, few months off the bat where everything was closed down and then afterwards where you had to return to something that wasn't normal and was not what you guys were doing every day? You guys ever watch a Barry Sanders highlight? Football. It's been a bit. The yeah. football player. Like, you know, you see them where he's got like 12 guys around him. Yeah. And he's just moving. And this is, you know, four miss here, three miss here. It's like that. You just got to learn how to make, like, make, move around things and keep staying fluid inside. I'm going to hit you if you say the word pivot. I hate no. the word pivot. <laughs> no, 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 okay? no, not pivot. <laughs> it's because you still have to, you know, because you, you have to keep on moving. You can't leave one foot down. You have to be fluid. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's a fantastic analogy. I mean, so Tamara, what was your perspective on, you know, on keeping the doors open here? You well, know? two things, and I have to have a shout out to my husband, Jim, who happens to be our accountant. Um, uh, he's pretty, and Chris, our, my business partner, they're money hoarders. So we came into this. Um, we opened in 2018. We were we were profitable from the get-go. Um, and we left the money in the company. So when COVID hit, the one thing I could say for sure to our staff is we could be shut a week, a month, a year. We will open again. We will be fine. And I knew that we, we would be fine. Um, but Mike hits on a point like you, you have to be willing to be fluid. You have to, to, to adjust what, what is hospitality look like when you have to put people behind a barrier? Well, you know, and for me, I, went to staff first to say, what is your comfort factor? You have to serve people. If you're not comfortable, you can't be hospitable. So we looked at, we didn't open our bar even when we could have. We just kept the bar shut because people, they were like, I'm not happy. I don't want to be behind the bar talking to people. So we didn't open it. So you have to look at, you have to always redefine what is hospitality, what is that? You know, we're lucky we have a product that we can put in a can. We can beer. We can beer. Mike just brewed, and we can for much of the time we were shut down. And we were grateful for that, that we were able to keep our name and our product out in the market. Um, and now we're back where people can drink here. And, and Mike and I were just talking the other day. Like, he's only been here a year, and we've been through, like, three different mini versions of what is Appenog. And it, and it, and it's not like we don't have our internal vision, but the external forces have required us to redefine how we want, what we want to do. Like, we just had that conversation on Monday. Like, what is our focus? How much beer do we want to go out to market? How much do we want to can? How much do we want to get out to retail and whatever? And, and we haven't had a norm yet. We don't, we don't even know what normal is. And now you look at the new variant and you're like okay maybe we're going to our fourth or fifth you know and we'll continue i think the um, huge aspect of it is just being willing to roll with it i mean you have to be able to realize the situation and find how you can sell and i think we've done that over and over again um hopefully we're 
much better path now, but if something comes up, I think we're absolutely ready for it. Right on. And, you know, pandemics aside, just looking forward, what does the future of Avenal look like? I don't know, man, limitless. It feels great. It, and I don't know what that means, and it's not like a, an ego thing. I don't know what it will be. It'll... It depends where Mike wants to go. It depends where I want to go. It, it to to uh, to us, we're and my partners and our staff. We're creating a team. We create an environment. And I've always been a big fan of organic growth. And and we opened with organic growth. And I don't I don't know where we'll go. I really don't know where we'll go. We've had people who've wanted us to open another location. I don't know that that will work for us. And we've always been very deliberate in our growth. My staff will roll their eyes, but we talk about things a lot because I think everybody has a different opinion. But collectively, we'll we'll figure out what that growth will look like. But let me ask you: Is that exciting for you? Is that scary, or both? Definitely not scary. Um, yeah, it feels great. I, you know, I'm a builder. I'm a creator. I'm not a maintainer. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm a builder. I like to create things. So I don't know what it will be. Like the same for you? Is it more, you know, is it kind of just wherever we need to go, we will go? Or besides your logger farm, of course, which, you know, if you have a GoFundMe, maybe we'll contribute. I like <laughs> I think uh, in terms of the beer program, where I hope we're going to be is finding as many ways where we can get uh, our, our beer into as many people's hands as possible. And not in terms of like dollars in the bank account, more like different kinds of events that we can do. Um, have our event next month. On Summerfest, that we're, uh, you know, it's not yet on social media, but we're going to have buttons here, we're going to have cookie barn, we're going to have food vendors all going to be in the lodge, we're going to have some of our, uh, our beer, their beer, uh, Matt will be here, Morgan will be here, we will be here, we want to do other events like that in the future, we're, we just got a canning line, so we're canning our own beer uh, in a different format, so we always have it available, um, scale it, and see for the needs of the business. Um, Beer events, you know, the, the opportunities really are endless. So I think we just got to take it one day at a time and see where we're going and see how the beer is and move forward with what comes in front of us next. Well, you let us know when you have a homebrew event because we'll be there, we'll make some entries. We could talk homebrew anytime. <laughs> well, you know, it's really funny. I mean, when really I first opened, beer, that so. was like something I would really love to do would be to host a homebrew fest and then put, you know, and figured out. Pre-COVID, we had plans for that, but I would love to do that, and then and then have somebody brew it on tap here. That would be to me an ideal collaboration, you know. That's actually interesting too, because they, you know, it's a winner of the competition or whatever, and you know, they get to be on your tap for like four weeks or something like that. Yeah, well, you get however long ten barrels take. So hope it's a good beer. Four weeks would be great. Yeah, I doubt it here. The way the amount of beer we make is probably maybe a keg max, but no, it would be great. But I, to me, that that would be that 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 collaboration is something I've always wanted to to nurture, for lack of a better term. Yeah. We've been experimenting with stuff. We've got a yerba mate uh, beer. Uh, yeah, it's a yerba mate tea with beer, and then we've got a blueberry cook and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll call you. Yeah. Um, Everybody's got beer cooking in their bathroom. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it, the little ice bath and tub. Speaking of, Mike, um, what is – you've been brewing for so long now. What is – 
is there something that stands out that you're like, I can't believe that I brewed this beer? Like, maybe it was an experiment. Maybe it was just a wild collaboration of flavors. Is there anything that sticks out that you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that worked, or oh my god, that was so bad? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, thankfully, nothing has come out that's been like, oh my god, this is really bad. Um, besides, like, my first homebrew. That was such a different story. Uh, <laughs> Everybody says I was, uh, I mean, for me, our, our, our Czech Pilsner was really, really fun. Um, I sourced grain from the Czech Republic. Um, everything was sourced from the Czech Republic. Uh, and so when I went with, with my wife, it was her first, our first trip overseas together. Um, and I have just vivid memories of the community there, what it's like to drink beer in Prague. And to make a beer like that was just super fun. Um, and it was like, it was just like one of those days where everything was in Sapatico, like, Everything was flowing. The numbers were perfect. Everything worked out well. And then it's like the fermentation profile went out great. Lagering went went great. Uh, and then when it was ready, it was it was it was wonderful. I, I can't wait to brew it again. You know. Um, and we had some other ones too that, and I was really really psyched with our, our first coffee stout that we did. Um, the very first beer I made here was a beer called Mirrors that I made for my wedding, and that far exceeded expectations because it was. Um, we had a problem with our yeast supplier where the yeast had come in, so I had to pivot and use something different here on the fly. And I was like, I just hope people will like this at the wedding. And it ended up being great. That's awesome. That's awesome. As we're wrapping up this interview, you know, you guys are both clearly passionate about what you do. This isn't just a job, this is a passion. You guys are having fun. What adventure. If, yeah. <laughs> what advice do you have for people that, you know, want to follow their passions but don't know how to or just need to take that leap of faith to get them to be happy with what they're doing. What advice do you have for individuals or something you wish you heard a couple of years ago when you were trying to start this journey as well? You know, really funny you should say that because I had said earlier I love to build things. So my husband has prevented me from building more places. But I am I'm very active on the Brewers Association. We share our business plans. I have nurtured, you know, I've been very detailed involved in opening three other breweries they're not mine i'm happy to share whatever knowledge i have with 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 anyone because i want i'm not afraid of competition like that you know if we can't deliver a good product and somebody next door can do a better job shame on me not shame on them um so anyone wanting to follow their passion i'm an accountant by trade make sure the numbers work do your math if you don't know how to do your math, call me. I'll help you do your math because, you know, at the end of the day, math is really important. Um, so for me, follow your passion, but make sure the numbers work because passion alone won't do it, but don't be afraid. So that would be my advice. Call me if you don't know how to do numbers and I'll help you. I truly will help you. I'll give you whatever business plans I have, whatever spreadsheets I have, I will share my knowledge with you. I don't, at my age, I don't want to open three more breweries, but I would love to nurture three other people wanting to do that, but don't be afraid. Uh, my, mine would be two things, really. Um, first, you had, you have to go full all in. Like you can't just do it halfway or 70% or 80%, 90%. You have to fully commit to it, uh, whether it's you know in this industry or something else, I think. Um, and if you feel like you are not doing that, take some time to reflect. Uh, and the other one is support. Is surround yourself with people who are supporting you. Um, some of my best friends thought I was crazy for getting into this industry. Um, I mean, I was going to be a teacher. I was in tech after that, 
And I thought, you know what, I'm going to quit my tech job and work at this brewery that I was volunteering at for a year. And everyone thought, my parents thought I was nuts. Um, and then fast forward eight years later, they're like, I, I can't believe this worked out. So, but the people who really supported me throughout the, the whole time, you surrounded with those, and the people who made out of time, just stay close to them and just don't listen to them. So. Hey. Well, tomorrow, Mike, thank you so much for having us. Well, we thank you. We're it. happy to be here. Any parting words? Where can our listeners grab your gear? What are your off your hours of uh, operation? The floor is yours to share any parting details. Oh, I feel like the parting gifts for our contestants would be, we're closed on Monday. <laughs> we <laughs> don't take thing. reservations. <laughs> uh, listen to our website. <laughs> no, we get, every day we have a call. Do you take reservations? Or I know you don't take reservations, but I thought I'd call. No, we, we might don't. Be guilty if you. Um, yeah. We have. Hey, you know, People I do. Know that I, we know I know you feels, don't, but. Um, hey, can you do us a favor? No, and if you haven't been here, we'd love to have you here. We'd love to share a beer with you. And, you know, if you're thinking a brew pub can't make good beer, I'd say come on in. Absolutely. There you go. I love that. Um, yeah. Where, before we go to Mike, where can we find you on social media, too? I should know that. Oh, now you, I'm going to show my age. I'm like uh, Facebook. We're um, Appenog Brewing Co. Um, we are on. We are not on Twitter, and we are on Instagram at Appenog Brewing. Yes, there you go. go. So I have to Stuff. turn it over Any to the younger words for people. You, Mike, is, uh, we covered everything. I mean, we never cover everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you got to come back. Um, yeah, I think I, I would just encourage you to come by. Um, come say hi. I love talking to people up here. You know, I look busy. I probably am, but um, it doesn't mean I'm not going to say, you know, say what's up. I'm by, say, hey, I'm so and so. Beers, business, and balls sent you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Blame on you guys. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Love it. Cool. To Mary McKenney, Michael Webster, guys, thank you so much uh, for welcoming us into the community and for, for giving us beer. Obviously, we appreciate it. And, uh, we look forward to, to sharing plenty of beers with you guys and food in the future. So thanks so much. Likewise. Best of luck to you guys. Thank you. Warwick. And that was just Tamara and Mike, Appenog Brewing. First live interview. We want to thank them so much for not only inviting us to the brewery. Um, they gave us some fantastic beer. They spent much, so much time out of their day not only doing the interview but showing us around. Uh, the premise showed us, you know, their equipment for brewing answered a lot of our questions offsite about just home brewing and getting into the industry. They gave us a ton of great beer, so we appreciate them. And I think we have a future partnership in the works with them. They yeah. are definitely very, very helpful, very, very kind people. So if you're in the area, definitely stop over to Warwick, go to Appenog, get those uh, sweet potato tots or sweet potato, t- sweet potato tots poutine excuse me, um, and grab a pint. They'll be happy to uh, know that they got sent from the podcast. So cheers to them, and we appreciate them a lot. Yeah. Um, Man, that sweet potato poutine just hit a couple days ago. It was fantastic. That was the best poutine I think I've ever had there, and we've had a lot of it. Um, We'll do business and balls really quick. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, Let's talk about Snapchat. They're way up after their biggest growth quarter in four years. They now have... Almost 300 million daily active users, according to their last earnings report. 
I'm just like, holy shit, Snapchat. Uh, that's one of those companies you heard a lot about in the pandemic, and you didn't really hear a lot about them. It was like one of those sexy stocks to like, and now it's like, all right, Snap Inc. is back on it. Uh, they were up 24% last week after their earnings call, and I think that's two reasons. Number one, lockdowns are over. So people are going out, they're traveling, they're bragging about what they're doing, they're taking their videos of them, taking their shot skis at bars and shit. And then the digital ad space too. I mean, it has never been easier to advertise on social media. So good things coming for Snapchat. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting last week when we talked to Dave Woodley um, about how his one of their major platforms at Playmaker was Snapchat. And it got me thinking, it's like Snapchat, it's like, I mean, you see all those like advertise, like all the advertising everywhere. And like, there's a lot of video series and stuff, but I think us as just like 24, 25 years old, kind of growing out of Snapchat, not realizing how many younger individuals, that younger demographic are still utilizing it. And that's where they're getting, that's where they're watching shows. That's where they're, you know, interacting with celebrity content, like how big of a platform it actually is. It's kind of amazing. I mean, they have taken over that younger market and their numbers show for it. Yeah, we don't really like, you know, I'll Snapchat every now and then, but it's like, that's a very good point. It's almost, it's become like TikTok in a way because you look at the yeah. spotlight stuff and you've got the panels and shit that you can watch. It's actually like they're trying to appeal to that younger crowd, which is really good. Um, and that's probably why they're up so much. So keep your eyes on Snap Incorporated. Let's talk about balls. Olympics are underway, people. Tokyo 2020 in 2021 is is happening. And the U.S. is off to a, a pretty decent start. You know, we've got golds in fencing, shooting, swimming, and taekwondo as of last night. Hopefully we'll get some more to, to places higher. But the big, big shock is that France has beat the USA basketball team 83-76 to and in a rare loss. I mean, is it really that big of a shock? They blew, right now maybe not. They blew two big um, what is it exhibition games against Australia and Nigeria. Oh my god! Um, and Australia is a decent squad, but France is one of those teams. It's like it's France and Spain. There's some talented players. I mean, you have yeah. Evan Fournier on France, who I think dropped 28 points. And it's tough when you have a lineup of Kevin DeGrant, uh, Kevin Durant, Kevin Damian, Degrom, yeah, Kevin Degrom, <laughs> Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, and. Uh, Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday was the leading scorer with like 28 points or something oh, like Jesus that. Jesus Christ. But, I mean, the team just did not perform, and it's kind of embarrassing, but, you know, maybe we just missed Coach Guy. Uh, they have Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert too, yeah. and Poirier. Um, this is not a bad squad, but, I mean, and Gershon Yabaselli, of course. Um, not a bad Batum, squad. Yeah. yeah, Batum's there. He's averaging 31 minutes. I mean, yeah, Fournier's doing really good. I shouldn't say that we're shocked, but this is like a juncture in USA basketball. It's like, well, where are we going now without Coach K? And now we have Pop. Now all these debates are open, like, is Pop a coach or is he just like a figurehead? And now it's starting to threat Greg Popovich's credibility, which I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure where I stand there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who said this quote. I believe it might have been um, Evan Fournier, but he said that individually – those players are like the best in the world. There's no doubt about it. But the team chemistry and the gel right there is just not. They teams are noticing the flaws and just you know capitalizing on the ISO and just taking away the game by 10, 15, 20 points. So 
I don't know, trouble in paradise for the Olympics, but we got a couple more weeks uh, for, or not really a couple more weeks, a couple more days for USA basketball to turn it around. Yeah, they literally need to do it like right now. Um, the new sports this year, before we move on, karate, skateboarding, sport climbing, and surfing. Yeah. Which one is awesome? Which one is a snooze fest? Well, we were watching surfing and I was kind of confused with like what happens if there's just no waves. I don't know. That was just something that... Yeah, you're like, what if they go out there and it's just not a good wave? Yeah, it's like people always talk about it. It's like, don't you need those like stormy days to have like really great ones? I don't know. I really don't know surfing that well, but that one was kind of like a flaw in the system for me. It's like... I think it kind of sucked. Yeah, I'm just going to say it. And they didn't really explain the scoring and like what they were graded on. That was weird. Um, skateboarding, I mean, there was like three young people, like 14, 15, 16 years old that meddled in skateboarding. That was kind of like crazy. Um, I saw a tweet that was like, oh, like the United States didn't like meddle in skateboarding. Like there goes like <laughs> the demise of culture or something like that. It's like, I was like, you see all these people skateboarding all across like the United States and like we didn't meddle in it. Um, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. That's kind of interesting. Karate's cool. Um, I don't know about the sport climbing. Sport climbing, yeah. I'm going to say I think skateboarding's probably the awesome one. Surfing, surfing's a snooze fest. Yeah. And that really sucks because I wanted surfing to be good. No, um, I know. But, yeah, it was really boring to watch. Um, big, just, well, before you go yeah, into yeah. the next one, I'm just – quick little medal count, I guess, to uh, cap off the Olympics. The United States has 14 with seven golds. Oh, seven uh, now. Yep. Nice. Japan has 11. China has uh, 15, so they're actually they just bumped right up hmm. um, with six golds and six bronze. Great Britain has six. South Korea has seven. All right, got to get on that shit. Got to keep going. Um, yeah, I the U.S. needs to hold its own. That's all. And basketball needs to get its shit together asap. Um, big baseball news: Cleveland Indians no longer. It is the Cleveland Guardians going forward. Um, I thought it's a really cool name, and then I saw that they um, that there's a team suing them. I think it was a handball or rollerball team or some yeah. shit that's going to be like, well, we're the Cleveland Guardians. We've been doing that since 2011. That's awesome. That's just so <laughs> dumb. That's just so dumb. I mean, going back, like I think the, the the name change needed to happen. They brought it up. It took them a year. They whittled down from like over 1,100 names. So Guardians, it ties into the city. Um, there's those statues that, you know, follow along up right up into the, uh, progressive field that are the guardians of traffic, I believe it's called. Um, so that's a cool little tie. I think they could have did a better job in the logo, but I mean, neither here nor there. People are very like pissed off that it wasn't the spiders. Um, I don't really, like, yeah. I don't know. Like that, yeah. now you're just, now you're just having names to have names. I know. Like I like when, you know, they were talking about the Washington football team and like they were doing stuff that was like directly related to the city of washington dc or like the virginia maryland area you have like you know whether it was a, a nod to like the tuskegee airmen or right, right. it was like the wolves or something like that like there was like those ties like i think it's kind of important in a rebrand like what do cleveland and spiders have any correlation no nothing so the guardians is cool i think I, it's a cool name like i will the, the hat's sick like the, yeah. the logo on a hat looks really cool and i'm glad they're really not changing the logo too much yeah. it's like they're just changing the c to a g and have the little white streaks and stuff you know i think it's a good move for cleveland um i really do nba draft too man that snuck up on us i saw a commercial last night like nba draft this thursday and i'm like holy shit really yeah um 
really no debate over who goes number one at this point. We've had Andy Katz on. We've had you know the experts on. We talked about it with Fanta. Cade Cunningham's going to go to the Pistons realistically uh, well, from Oklahoma State. I think he'll go one. I don't know who has that first pick though. I think it's the Pistons, right? Well, no, the Pistons have it, but there's been talks that like the Rockets want to oh, move true. up, the Thunder want to move up. Well, so. he's going one. He's yeah. going one. Yeah. He will be drafted at whoever you know. Whoever has that pick is going to take him. And then from there, it kind of opens up. I mean, the Rockets are talking about taking Evan Mobley from USC. Um, you know, there's a guy like Jalen Suggs and then Jalen Green, who's on the G League Ignite. Um, this, this draft kind of opens up right in the middle, which is really nice. Um, do you have any shocking predictions on what teams are going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I do not. I think the Warriors have the seventh pick, if I'm not mistaken. That's fine. Yeah, they do. They have the seventh pick. I've heard that they wanted to trade out of that, Um, you know, but they want a star player for it. I've heard the Knicks might package, you know, 19 and 21. It's really, I don't know. This one's kind of just like, I have no predictions. I was kind of surprised that it came up this quick. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like the most talented draft. You know, I think you're just going to, teams are going to find some diamond in the roughs and just, you know, go from there. Yeah. Um, I agree. There's a couple of foreign dudes, like in the Turkish league. Um, and then you've got, like, guys from Baylor, guys from Arkansas. It's just a total crapshoot at this point. Um, I'm curious to see how far James Booknight from UConn is going to go. That's the only big revelation that I'm going to be looking for. But I'm excited. I think the Knicks can grab a couple of good guys. Maybe with David 19- Duke. Yeah. Makes a. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. He'll be there for him. Be, yeah, he got invited. Yeah, he's been working out for the. He worked out for the Nuggets. Did he work out for the you know, the Knicks? He might have went to their camp or something. He might have. I can't keep track of him. Um, that's sports. Did we forget anything major? No. No. All right. On to positivity corner. You go. Did you have anything, or is this all me? I've got one. Go for it. We like dogs on this show. There was a terrier that was lost 290 days after a vacation, and they found him. He was gone for almost a year. Um, This was in New York, too. They were away in Ocean City, Maryland. Their two-year-old Boston Terrier, Fisher, went AWOL uh, July 4th of last year. So they hung up all these um, posters and tried to ask around. They had the cops looking for him, animal control, all that stuff. They hired somebody called an animal communicator to try to tap, like, his microchip and stuff. That didn't work. Uh, they set up a Facebook page, got 8,000 er, 8, followers. Um, and then they turned to social media, and they, like, blasted it out everywhere and said, you know, our dog's missing. And finally, some guy found him and... It, this is just incredible stuff. I mean, it's 290 days after uh, he made his exit. Some resident uh, of Baltimore City, it says, was performing maintenance on his motorcycle, called him over. He said Fisher. He saw it on Facebook, and he came running over to him. So wow. 290 days in the wild. That's I say wild. the wild, but I mean, like, who knows? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a dog. It's not, and especially like, what is it, a uh, Boston Terrier? Yeah, it's a little Boston yeah. Terrier. Those you know, things not big. like It's not like a shepherd or a lab or something that's more you know has that like residual instinct of like the outdoors like that is an indoor dog yeah like that is a that's a toy dog 
the family said that they recognized him immediately, but then they microchipped him and it was him. So it's not like it's not bullshit. It's yeah. uh, this is a good story, another feel good story. We've done a lot of dog stories on Positivity Corner, and we get another one. Uh, who doesn't love a dog reunion? That is our show. We've got some merch available online. That's house-enterprise.com and click the merch shop. We made it so easy for you guys to get whatever you want to do. You click on the merch links. We've got all our stores linked up. Squad Locker shipping them out ASAP. And it's good stuff. Uh, that will do it for episode 56. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy.